Welcome on in Friday morning, December 4th. DJ and PK, thanks for joining us. Lots to talk about. Got some college hoop, got some college football. Yeah, BYU, yeah, Coastal Carolina, Utah State Air Force, all that stuff. We'll get to all that. We've got to do some jazz basketball. Jazz are making players available. They didn't have a media day, but what they're doing is individually having guys available. And Joe Ingles is going to make an appearance back on the DJ and PK show. Not at his normal time, not at his normal day. We'll get to that when the season gets going. But listen to his Zoom call that he did with the media. Here's Joe Ingles on 97.5, 1280 his own. Hey, Joe. Good to see you. Hope you're doing well. Nice Christmas tree. Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, so just wondering uh, what specifically... Um, how, how these last few months have been for you. I know it's been kind of a, a short off season and I know that you had some personal business going on besides um, just wondering how the off season has gone. If you're, if you're ready for things to be going this quickly again, given that it's a shorter off season than normal and uh, what you've been working on. Um, yeah. I mean, we, I think the first and foremost, we, we obviously, we stayed here for the off season, which I've never done. Um, so that was kind of cool to be in Utah and have some nice weather and be outside a little bit more. And um, obviously that was pretty much stuck at, at home, but it was still nice to be outside with the kids and, and obviously with, with Renee's pregnancy um, and the pandemic and stuff, we just, we, we, we could get home um, without kind of a bit of trouble. So um, that was really nice. And, and then obviously being here and, and having access to the facility when it was open was something, again, I've, I've never done before. So um, I've been gone pretty hard for, for a long time now. I don't know how long I've been here for, but it feels like forever. Um, so, yeah, a lot, a lot of it was, um, I mean, in probably not getting too specific, but I wanted to, to be as fit as I could possibly be, um, which I think I'm – um, right there, I think obviously the only thing I need to, to kind of get up another notch is, is that game five on five, one on one, three on three, whatever those situations are, because we haven't been able to do that. So, um, yeah, getting back in that, um, my shot feels great. Uh, like I said, I feel fit. My body feels good. Um, so yeah, it's been uh, it's been a good offseason. It's been fun. Um, obviously, with a new addition to the family as well now, um, coming up to a couple of weeks here now. So. Um, he's been great. The twins love him as much as you guys don't care how my family and kids are, but they are really good. So, um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been probably longer than I thought just because I've stayed in Utah, but it's, it has been really good. So. All right. Next question will be from Ryan Miller, KSL. Hey, Joe, um, talking about the offseason, it was shorter this year. What kind of impact do you think that'll have on you or anyone else uh, leading or when it gets later into the season, I guess? I mean, I think I said it to someone. I think I was talking to Renee or someone else about it. Like, I mean, obviously the offseason's shorter, but we did have a, I don't know what the break, three months, two months break in the middle of the season. So I think once guys, once you get back in the flow of it, we get to, to playing five and five and games. I think, I know like personally for me, I, I think we'll, I'll feel fine. I think I'll feel good. Um, it's again, it's a little bit hard because we've never been in a situation like this before with the, the what's happened the last 12 months. Um, 
But I think when everyone talks about it, I think you, you forget that we had a little <laughs> hiatus in the middle of the year. So you get a bit of rest in that in that period. And obviously with, with that little break um, we had, we didn't know if we were coming back. So I know a lot of the guys, you have a bit of time off and then we got back into it before the bubble. Um, again, then we had obviously another little bit of time off, but um, everyone's been, been back into it pretty um, pretty much right away. I think I don't think guys really took too much time off. So I think... I mean, a bit of it will have to play out because we, we've never been in a situation like this. But, um, yeah, I, I would be confident that, that most guys will, will feel pretty good. Okay, uh, we'll get a question in now from Bowler. Hey, Joe. Good to see you. you too. Can you talk about the relationship with Faves and uh, why... I'm happy man. I'm very happy man. Why you have such great chemistry... Uh, in that pocket pass, pick and roll, and, and the excitement that he showed us uh, about you, him being back and working with you again. Um, I mean, the, the relationship obviously just got built over the, the time we played together. I, I don't know how many years it was five or five or six or something, five, four or five, whatever it was. Um, but obviously, with with the Ray, our rotations were and stuff. I played a lot of minutes with him. I would. We were both starting, I think, at that point, and we would both come out first, and then we'd go back in at the end of the first, start of the second, and obviously have a um, a, a lot of time out there together. Uh, he's obviously a guy I feel super comfortable playing with. Um, so when we didn't have him last year, it was a, it was a little different. I was uh, probably trying to find my feet a little bit with that kind of second unit, but um, yeah, really, obviously, really, really glad that he's back. Um, not only for myself, but for the team and um, to help out Rudy at that, that five spot. And, and obviously everyone knows offensively what he can do. But um, I, I think defensively too, I think his defense doesn't really get probably talked about or highlighted enough because even when we started Rudy and Faye, we, we were pretty tough to, to score on in the paint. So, um, yeah, obviously super, super glad to have him back. And, um I mean, Fave and I stayed in contact regardless when, when he wasn't here anyway. So I've we've spoken the whole time, and, and like I said, just just glad uh, he's actually sitting next to me in the locker now. So it's uh, I'll get to catch up with him even more than the last few years. Okay, uh, next question, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Joe, just wanted to know your thoughts on uh, having fans in the arena next year. I think the Jazz are one of three teams so far that have announced that. Um, just, yeah, what are your thoughts on having, you know, 1,500 people in there? Um, honestly, I haven't thought probably too much about it because, we. I mean, you play, obviously in the bubble we had, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 people in the crowd, or whatever it was. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, I guess it is at this point you – you, I mean, it'll be it'll be fun to have people in there. Uh, I think the only thing with that is making sure whoever's working that night, or the players, or all the fans that are coming, or, or the media, whoever's in the arena, you want everyone to be as safe as possible, um, health wise as well. So, um, if they can promise that everyone's going to be healthy and, and safe, then it'll be great to have some fans. Obviously, we've got a, a pretty unreal fan base here in, in Utah, and usually have whatever the stadium of 19, 20,000 people. But um, yeah, I, I, the, the first and foremost, you would obviously just help for, for hope for the, the health and safety of everybody. And then if that protocol is good and they can figure out the spacing and, and crowd and, and 
the players and staff and media, everyone that has to be there um, for, for their jobs. Um, if that can all be good, then it'll be, be great to have some fans cheering for us. All right. Uh, next up, Ben Anderson, kslsports.com. Joe, the team, uh, other than bringing Derek back, is largely kind of running back the same team that you had last year. What does that continuity do for you that you've recognized as you've played on so many different teams in your career? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is just the, the system that we have. And um, it's not complicated for me now, but I think when you, you get a lot of new guys and we have when you have bigger turnover, it's um, there's a lot of name calls that are, are funny and, and different. And um, just to make that, I guess the adjustment of um, just learn, learning the system offensively, defensively, the, there is a lot that goes on. And um, like anything, it, it takes time to, to adjust when you, you, you're moving teams and you've got new teammates, new system, um, a new Sydney to live in. Everything kind of comes at you at once. So Faye obviously knows a lot. Um, he knows coach. He knows a lot of the players. I think majority of the players here have played with him. Um, I think it's really what JC and Boyan probably and Mike um, that, that haven't. Um, but, but the rest of us have played with him. I, I think he'll fit in very, very easily. Um, and then obviously just to have um, Boyan back from from his wrist injury. Mike was kind of in and out there a little bit through the, the regular season. So just to have everyone healthy and back at once and, and obviously incorporating Faith back into that group and then um, obviously some, some new young kids and, and stuff like that that will make sure they get a really hard time but hopefully they enjoy it but um, yeah it'll just be, it'll be fun incorporating all, all those guys in, into to, to the way we play and um, yeah it'll be, be really fun to get back out there as soon as we can and now we've got one coming from Tony Jones The Athletic Hey, Joe, what was it like, you know, kind of not having Boyan in the bubble and, and, and how, you know, how important is it going to be to, to, to get him back? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was different, obviously, not having – I think that was the first time he really missed games. So, yeah, it was different, um, obviously, playing without him, having him out there. And um, for me, playing with him, watching him, like, he's obviously a, a huge part of, of our team. So. Um, I think we, we figured out some adjustments and some things we could do, but um, a lot of the time too, you're not going to just replace him with, um, with, with, our, with the guys we had. It was, he, he's, a, he's a different type of player, um, obviously with the, the space in the floor and, and his scoring and stuff. Um, he is extremely high level. So um, it would be awesome to have him back healthy, um, playing, playing with, with our group, obviously adding fave and, and all that. So, um, I think he'll love playing with Fave, um, but yeah, it'll be, be be huge for our team getting him back and um, kind of incorporating him back in. Not that that would be very hard because he does what he does at a at a very high level. Um, so it'll be be a huge uh, huge positive for our group getting him back. Okay, Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Joe, you said that you know if if you could be promised that everyone is healthy and safe in the building, but obviously you can't because uh, it's not the bubble. So, I mean, is that concerning? I mean, yeah, I think um, for everyone, you, you, 
like a, a, me, me individually, you individually, everyone individually, um, I would, I would hope is doing their best to be as safe as possible. Um, uh, I think, um, like you said, uh, I mean, probably even more in Utah, it's, it's a bit harder with the, the numbers and stuff. I think I was watching the news the other morning. They said like one in 23 people or something. Like I think we're all going to cross 15, 20 people in a day at some point. Um, might not be every day, but at some point in your next few months, you're going to cross people. I mean, I'm, I cross with however many people here at the facility every day. So, um, I mean, it, it's a, still a scary thing. I don't think anyone's shying away from the fact that it's um, – this like non-virus that doesn't affect like we, we're seeing the numbers and the effect it's having on, on everybody. And um, it is for me, it, I've obviously highlighted that from March of 12 or whatever day it was that we flew back from OKC and um, more for, for my family and stuff, um, especially now obviously having a two week old baby as well. Um, so I, I would hope that obviously everyone that, that we're around and it's, um, kind of in that in that bubble of ours within the facility is is doing as um, best they can to be as smart as possible because at the end of the day like I mean what were they saying 10 to two, 10 days two weeks is the virus when you when you get it with the schedule what you're missing six to eight games maybe five to eight games um, if depending on who that's in your team or, or it hits your team with two or three players that can can impact your kind of month of the schedule pretty, pretty badly. So um, it'd probably be frustrating, but I think it's a season where you just really have to um, have to be really smart. You have to, obviously we're traveling to wherever we're going to travel to play. Um, We're going to be on planes and hotels. You've got to really be um, as diligent and and kind of focused on it as you can, as, as annoying as it is, like everyone's going to be, Forgetful or something at times, I would hope very um, limited times that we forget to wear a mask or, or something like that. But um, I think it's something that you've you've really got to focus on. And I think for the for the better of your team and for your your group of guys, every individual that's especially around our group, um, we probably have thirty or forty people we're around every day with with coaching staff and medical staff and whatever that, that kind of bubble of people that we're in, you obviously hope that everyone's doing um, the, the best they can to be as safe as possible. So you're not just affecting yourself. Obviously there's, there's people with families, grandmothers, parents, um, everyone that gets affected. So hopefully um, everyone's being as, as smart as possible. All right. And we have one last question. This will be a follow-up from Eric Walden. Eric. Hey Joe. I know you've uh, said multiple times that, that we've talked to you over the years that you don't care whether you start or come off the bench or I still don't that, that you'll do that you'll do whatever is asked of you. Just along those lines, just wondering if you've had a, a conversation with Quinn yet about uh, what you expect your role to be this year, how how he's going to use you given the you know the options that you guys have now with Fave to go big big or to go you know play with smaller lineups. Uh, what are your expectations, if any? I, I haven't spoken to him um, about any of that and um, my answer is exactly the same. I still don't care whether I start or not. Um, I honestly, I mean, I th- obviously think I'm capable of doing both. Uh, I think coming off the bench last year at the start was a bit of an adjustment and it probably took me longer than, and probably frustrated myself more than anyone else just to to be, not be able to find a, a rhythm as, as quick as I wanted to and um, – 
I mean, again, like I'll I'll do whatever. If I if he wants me to start, I'll start. If he wants me to come off the bench, I'll I'll do that. It doesn't it doesn't bother me. I will. I can promise you, I will not be losing any bit of sleep over that. Um, but yeah, I just I, I think, like you said, with with the lineups we can have, I think we with Faye, we've got it, it just opens up a lot of things to. I mean, we for all I know. Quinn's crazy mind. Like we, we might start different guys each game. Like it might be a matchup thing that obviously the Lakers start big. Maybe Fave starts those games, but but not other teams that, that are playing small. So um, yeah, I definitely think it gives us more options um, with Fave and, and and even having Boyan back and, and having a healthy roster. Um, but again, like I said to uh, to Sarah's question before, it's like. With the pandemic, like there's going to be people that are going to be tested. Like we're going to cross positive tests at some point here. Like it's kind of inevitable that it's going to happen, and hopefully it's way less than more. But at points, there's going to be guys in your roster, I assume, that, that are out. So um, everyone's going to have to be pretty flexible and step up when needed, and and not step down, but but go to your role or whatever that is when when you've got a full roster. So. Um, yeah, it'll be, be a, a fun year, um, and we'll, we'll see how we go. That was Joe Ingles. Looking forward to having him again during the season like we've had him for several years. The longest-running guest in the history of the longest-running sports talk show in Salt Lake City in Utah, DJ and PK, and then Joe Ingles. All right, coming up next, Craig Bolajak. We're going to talk some college football and some jazz. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Things are happening in the sports world, and that is great. And no better guy to comment on what's happening in the sports world than Craig Bullerjack. He, a, a Utah broadcasting legend. Good morning, Mr. Bullerjack. Uh, BK, kind words, my friend. Uh, I understand DJ's off. It's you're the king of the chair, my friend. And you know what? We could do <laughs> top 20 requests all the next 20 minutes if you wanted. Probably. You know? I mean, because you own it. You own it. <laughs> it is you my it. world. It's your world, man. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Coastal Carolina. My time has finally come. Yes, yes. Your time <laughs> has come. Dick was reminding me, man, three years as an FBS team. Yeah. And ranked uh, and uh, undefeated. Uh, I mean, a mirror image of what BYU's accomplished this year. Yeah, it's funny, you know, because they're both 9-0. and zero. Uh, scheduled called into into question. Both played Texas State. Uh, Coastal Carolina played them last week, literally the last game. Obviously, BYU was earlier in the season. And you look at the uh, common uh, opponent, Texas State, both of these guys hammered them big time. Texas State last week beat them uh 49 to 14 and how about this this is pretty freaky BYU 52 to 14 three points off 
Yeah, yeah, the fifty-two fourteen, and I'm just looking <laughs> because everyone I've been, I've done a couple radio shows around the country, and it's funny because I, I keep this handy because I print this out, but. You know, Zach was, uh, I'm looking at his numbers that day. I mean, he was maybe his third lowest output. No, I think it was his third, yeah, fourth. I mean, still he threw for 287, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the guy has, you know, Zach's played incredibly well. Nearly 2,800 yards, PK. 26 touchdowns and two picks. Wow. Yeah, the numbers really jump off out at you, and... The other side of wow is and then people say, well, tell me who they played. And that's always been the issue this year for I don't know, Cougar fans get tired of it. But, again, every everyone I've talked to, they keep asking me, well, you know, compare the first schedule to the second one. And I said, you know, it's hard. It's I mean, yeah, on paper, the first schedule was this, was really impressive. And give credit to Tom Homo and the Cougars just to get a schedule to play, right? Um and you're dealt the cards you play them, and they're they're undefeated. And Zach's had one hell of a year, and you can't take that away. But again, the doubters will say, "Look, who you playing?" And I get that. I understand the argument, sure. And I think that's the problem too, don't you, with uh, the voters? Is that well, tell me, you know, okay, Navy, not what they thought they were. Uh, you had to postpone Army, Troy, Louisiana Tech. Okay, a Houston win on the road in the Boise State game up there on the blue turf. You know, it was it was one-sided. So uh, the arguments, PK, will, will go on and on, right, with BYU, uh, whether or not they stay independent, should they stay independent, is it a good thing, is there a uh, – does, does, does a Big 12 add another team or two? Uh, do you go back to the Mountain West? Man, it's just a constant conversation every year. So my thought – on the schedule, Craig Bolajek joining us is, yeah, it's not strong. I mean, I understand that. But I think you have to look at the individual players. I think that the record, to a decent degree, is a product of the schedule. But you look at the individual players, are they good enough? Are they quality football players? And you just take Zach Wilson at the quarterback spot. Well, I'm watching a team in the NFL that is now 11-0, and zero, and their quarterback played at Miami of Ohio. Mm-hmm. And a few years back, he got hurt, uh, but he played quarterback on a Super Bowl-winning team, and I'm looking at Carson Wentz, and I believe he played in the big sky. Right. Kurt Warner, I don't even know where he played. Did he, did he play anywhere? I mean, you know, Northern Iowa. Hall of Fame yeah. quarterback. Right. And he was a, an Iowa barnstormer, don't forget, in the Arena Football League. Uh, back in my early days when ESPN was trying to promote ESPN2 into a powerhouse, that's where Arena Football was, and those are some of the games I did. And I did a, I did a barnstormer game against the uh, Orlando Predators. I'll never forget it. And I was like, <laughs> this, guy's, this guy's good. He had a rifle arm. He was able to, you know, they played it on a hockey arena with artificial turf. But then again, he got his chance, right? And you know, he proved to be a Hall of Famer. It's an unbelievable story. So you called a, an arena football game with Kurt Warner as a quarterback? Yes, I did. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, now that he's he's enshrined in Canton, nobody was saying, well, look at that schedule he played in college. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Or that one he had in the arena league, you know? Um that was quite a league, actually. Uh, they had the Tampa Bay Storm and the Orlando Predators, the Detroit Drive. Remember, Danny White had the Arizona Rattlers. That oh, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That was a big-time team down there. Um, 
And then they had the Iowa Barnstormers with Kurt Warner. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I kind of jumped around one summer with uh, Kevin Harlan, uh, who's at CBS, and he and I were doing arena football as we started um, in the business. And it was oh, uh, it was funny. fun. High scoring, man. If you had an arm and a wide receiver, you would uh, – yeah, you would. Uh, you could light it up. Well, I don't know if you caught Urban Meyer. That was his point on Saturday in the Fox pregame show, and he, he talked about press and play. Yeah. And he said he's been press and play for over 30 years, and he said he spent uh, several hours one day last week looking at Cincinnati, looking at BYU. And here's a guy who wouldn't even mention BYU's name uh, when he was here for that uh overnight stand practically yeah. that he that he did a, a two-season stand instead of a one-night stand and wasn't that the famous da- the team down south yeah right, you know he built south. that he got that from others when he was back east and all that sort of midwest so the point is he said he's looked at the tape and i don't know about you but when he urban meyer speaks football i listen naughty too he and John Gruden are two guys. I love to hear the breakdowns. You know, when Gruden was was doing, uh, what was it, the Sunday night game? Uh, no, was it the Monday night game, I guess. I lost track. But, you know, yeah, those guys are great breakdown film guys like Belichick uh, with New England. I mean, that's what they live for. And uh, I'm with you, PK. I, I, I know you watched him. I was watching Zach play, and I like – the way he rolls out, good feet. He reads defenses at a very high level for a college quarterback. And I like the way, look, he's not Patrick Mahomes at this moment, but he still has that slingshot arm where he's able to run and still release the ball and with strength. And, you know, that's those are all incredible attributes for a young quarterback, right, trying to find his way into the NFL. And I think if what Irvin Meyer said, I'm with you, uh, when you get those type of endorsements, uh, I guarantee the NFL scouts are, are watching closely, too. How much pressure do you think is on the Cougars right now? Because there's a lot of talk. They haven't they've done a little bit of talk, but since the poll came out last week, a lot of folks have come to their defense. Yeah. And at the same time, if they stumble, those folks and all the other doubters are just going to jump all over them. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those opportunities, PK, where you run the table. I mean, the Coastal Carolina game and then the San Diego State game, uh, you can finish off, you know, perfect 11-0, and then you can let the folks there, uh, you can sit and say, look, look what we did. Look at the numbers. I mean, Zach's going to be a 3,000-plus yard guy. Um, They're going to rush. What are they averaging? About 180 a game. Um, So they've put together – and what what's impressive is that Kalani was under right so much um, doubt, stress, turmoil of his own over the last couple of seasons of turning this around. And then even though you do, you still, <laughs> no matter what you do, right, you still are, you know, the, the criticism or the wonderment of who are you, how good are you, still this schedule isn't enough to prove that is my point, you know, for, for Kalani. Um because of the struggles they'd had in the past. And, you know, he was kind of a lame duck coach at this time last year. And, you know, again, he's done what he's been able to do with the schedule. And you have to, you know, praise him for, for keeping the team together uh, through a, tur- you know, through a really rough season of COVID-19. And I can say that for a lot of college coaches around the, around, uh, you know, college football, but, you know, look, they if they go 11 and 0, uh, you just have to let that record stand for you know, st- let it stand on its own. There's going to be critics. There's going to be critics. There's going to be doubters. 
But I think you're right about the individual play and just some of the numbers they've put up and the the, the weapons that Zach has that he's gone to multiple times and the offensive line, mind you. Uh, I think you'll you know you can sit there and say, hey, look, good football team, and I would love to see them put themselves uh, on the front porch of an incredible. New Year's Eve type situation and play a top 10 opponent and let's settle the argument. But I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Yeah, we'd love to see it. Love to see them get as many as as good or better tests as they could possibly get going forward. Craig Bolajak joining us, switching to the Jazz. Uh, They've been doing these Zoom interviews and a lot of the stuff you would anticipate yeah. Uh, one thing that caught my ear, I guess, would be the potential of Bogdanovich not being ready. Now, he didn't rule it out, but it's a possibility as far as him not being ready for the season. What are you hearing on that? Well, yeah, I heard the same thing. And, you know, there's hope. And I think, again, what Quinn said was, or Dennis Lindsay said, too, working with Mike Elliott, um, he's the guru of, you know, how the Jazz attack rehab and whether or not the green light is given. And a lot of times, as Dennis said to us on that Zoom call, PK, was that you have to listen to the player as well, but also read through the lines if he's pushing it, if he's truly ready to go, and uh, you go from there. So there's still time. You know, you're looking at the, you know, the preseason may not be in his uh, immediate future, and that's okay. I mean, there's players trying to prove themselves on this roster and you get some extra playing time. But what you lose in just a really short season of three preseason games is him working his way back, you know, into the starting lineup. And even Donovan had said to us on one of the many Zoom calls we've all been on is that, you know, they they were able to do good things in the bubble and produce a lot of offense without Bogdanovich. And, you know, they're going to have to kind of remember he's there and, that's the thing. I mean, Donovan was a dominant offensive force right in the bubble, uh, and Bogey wasn't there. I don't know what would have happened had he been against Denver. You secure the win and move on to round two. I'm guessing, yeah, but Jamal Murray played lights out, and so did Jokic at times. So uh, I think, again, it's about getting him back. You know, uh, maybe they, they don't want to pressure, you know, the preseason games on him, but. You know, he's too valuable, too, um, not to get on the floor. And the Jazz need him, PK. You know that. Guy, the guy was a 40, what, 3, 42% three-point shooter last year and 20-plus, 20 points a night. Uh, He's a big part of what they want to do. Big part. How much do you think we see, like we saw first go-around, of Gobert and Favors together? Yeah, that's going to be intriguing. You know, those conversations came up again in the interviews, and I'm going to start with Derek because I, I thought, you know, he handled that combo pretty good. But, he, you know, PK, he knows before he signed what his role is going to be. Uh, and I think that's important because I think in, in the years in the past, it was still kind of, well, am I on a position at the four? Am I a five? And, you know, he does things differently than what Gobert does. I mean, he's got really good hands, as you know, and the Joe Ingles combo with the pocket pass, that that's a beautiful thing to watch on the pick and roll, and he's a good offensive rebounder, second-chance point guy. But I don't know the minutes. He mentioned a, n- a number, which I, I don't know if that there, there's that many minutes on a given night, 24. So does he finish games? 
do they go small ball sometimes? I mean, they know they've got him there in case Rudy gets into foul trouble and they can, you know, interchange. But I would think, don't you, that coming back, he gets it. He's 29. He wanted to be back. And, the, you know, the fans are elated, but also his teammates are excited to have him back. And uh, I, I think he really has to know what his role is going to be. And if he doesn't, you know, then we're right, kind of right back to where we were a couple of years ago. But I, I think he gets Rudy's dominance as a defender, but also he also understands what his role is, too, and what he can bring. Well, if he's a backup, just go with the idea of a backup center, then I don't know what specifically. Assume Bogdanovich is healthy. At some point, obviously, he'll get healthy. So I could see, I don't know the entirety of the second unit, but the idea of Clarkson, Engels, and Favors as a second unit, um, I'm in favor of that. Yeah. Bill PK, if you if you break it down that way with a sprinkle of uh, George Niang, and if you do get some minutes or contributions, uh, let's just say let's just pick Mioni out of the out of the thin air, okay? Who they want to see more of and really evaluate him more? You know, he's six six, really long. Um, I think he's got three point ability. What I've seen in practice, but again, you got to see more minutes. To judge, I mean, I think one reason why that you know Dante Exum was expendable and it was a, a, an incredible trade to get Jordan Clarkson in return is that they really liked the the fight, the physicality of of Mieoni at six six, and that was basically the same position and the same size of athlete that Dante Dante is. So, I think uh, a couple of younger guys uh, may get a shot to fill a few minutes as well on that bench. But, you know, what we know of the Jazz is still pretty much intact, uh, with except for the addition of uh, the return of, of Derek Favors, right? So money's been spent. Uh, Rudy is still not signed, and he's, there's a few weeks to go before that, that deadline hits. So the one thing, too, I mean, I get it, uh, working with an agent, PK, but at the same time, you have new ownership, yeah, it's a lot of money to lay on the table, and I'm sure there's still a lot of negotiations going on of how you're going to get this done. But you don't want it to be hanging over your head for 72 games, I would think, uh, to say, well, what if, and what are you going to do in the off season? So um, I'm sure they're working hard trying to get it done. But I always say this every year, and it always stands true. I'm excited to get it going and see what the Jazz do. The West is a buzzsaw every night. And, you know, health is going to be the big issue, too, man. I uh, don't know how the COVID, uh, you know, uh, virus is going to impact the NBA. Uh, but I think you have to almost build in the fact there's going to be some games missed until a vaccine is given out. And that still will take time. So this season is going to be, uh, I'll tell you, a challenge, uh, I think, all the way around. What are the broadcast plans for the exhibition games? Well, as far as I know, uh, we'll be there, uh, which I'm glad. And I know that we'll still broadcast uh, at the moment from the arena, uh, looking across uh, the vastness of the Vivint Arena into a Jumbotron. Very much the same type of broadcast that we uh, we did those 17 games during the bubble. And, you know, PK, it's, it's tough. It's a challenge. I think the fans, you know, understand. I, I miss it, just the energy. I know they're going to try to blend in what, 1,500 fans, so it's kind of like dipping your toe in the water to see how safe and how how impactful it can be. But just to have some bodies there 
and some actual fans, you know, booing, cheering, whatever, whatever it may be, uh, will be a, a, you know, for me, a joy. I just hope again, everybody's safe. They've got a plan, uh, to, you know, have separation and distancing. Uh, but it's at least a start. And I think about, from what I've heard uh, of the 30 teams, I believe the number is up to 11 that are going to try to, to introduce, reintroduce fans into arenas. Um, and we'll see how that goes. But, you know, there's a, that's a starting point, right? That's a starting point. So the preseason games will be on TV? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, they haven't officially announced uh, the times, but, uh, yeah, the, the broadcasts are planned that way. have not seen any regular season games or what the networks are planning, but uh, the preseason schedule uh, gives us three games uh, to prepare for the regular season. And, um, you know, officially they haven't announced it, but um, that's the plan moving forward is that we, uh, you know, we uh, get ourselves prepared for the regular season with uh, with those three preseason games. So um, I'm excited to, to get going again. It's a challenge to set up there in basically a near-empty arena off a big screen. But the what I haven't done in a long time is call, quote, a home game uh, with actually players in front of me, right? Yeah. So the road games, you know, you still call it off the jumbotron, but at home you still have you actually <laughs> we're actually going to look at players on the floor, which is which is a, a the next step in this process, right? Well, Craig Bullajack, thanks for joining the PK show. Damn, that has yeah. a good ring to it. I think it's uh, probably pulling in some big ratings today. Yeah, <laughs> you can do anything you want, dude. I mean, that's you know, you can sing out the commercial. You can, uh, you know, you can do anything you want, man. Jake will lead you. Yeah. All right, thanks for coming on. All right, pal. Good talking with you. Take care. All right, we thank Craig Bullajack for coming on his weekly visit on Thursdays. And coming up next, we're going to talk to Brian Keel former BYU linebacker on BYU playing Coastal Carolina tomorrow. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Coastal Carolina and BYU, it is on for Saturday. 3.30 ESPNU right now is the plan. How about that, man? We can tell you to join the big show Friday from 2 to 6 at the warehouse at 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom. Boom is what we're expecting from my guy, Brian Keel. Brian Keel is always, he's a big boomer. He's got booms left and right. Brian, good morning. What's your first reaction? Coastal Carolina, BYU. Oh, man, it's all smiles in the kill home this morning. (laughs) 
Good for you. Now, you're a football guy, man. Just the idea, I think, that for BYU playing a game, I think they needed a game because, you know, they had a game a couple of weeks ago, but the starters, they didn't barely even play, right? They're out by halftime. So you really even – you can't count that as a game. And offense, maybe not so much you're a defensive guy. Maybe it's different. Correct me if I'm wrong. But offense needs to be fine-tuned. And I didn't know that you could afford to have a keep the fine tuning of your offense by basically being off three weeks. No, it's not good. I mean, you look <clears throat> look at the NFL. A lot of times, you'll see uh, teams that have the the buy in the playoffs. They play poorly. Sometimes they lose that game, and you know they're a one or two seed. Um, being off for specific positions, like you said, you know, quarterback, receiver, timing, all that stuff. It um it's tough. It's it, you know it, it it throws things out of whack and being off for for three weeks is I mean yeah you, you, nobody wants that. So they you're exactly right. They needed a game. They needed any game. And above and beyond that, this is a fantastic game. Undefeated opponent in the top twenty. Um, it's going to be. I mean, this is exactly what BYU needed. Exactly what the doctor ordered. Yeah, and then you throw in game day is going to be there, and that's still a big deal. You know, it won't have. The, quite the pageantry with the COVID situation that it's had. We've seen it. They've been to Utah multiple times. They've been down to BYU. Anytime they come to your city, plus a city like Conway, South Carolina, off the path. I mean, to me, that just adds to the excitement. And the thing about Coastal Carolina is they're sort of in the same boat as BYU. They don't have the past that BYU has and all the individual awards and the great seasons. But here recently, you know, they've only moved, they moved up to this level just uh, three years ago. They're coming off two five and seven seasons. They're picked last in not just the conference, but in their division. So they couldn't even get in any respect in the Sun Belt East. So you got BYU and uh, not getting the respect in the polls. In terms of chip on your shoulder, they ought to call this the chip on your shoulder bowl. <laughs> Seriously, it, you're going to have two hungry teams. That's why it's such a good matchup, and like you said, you throw in game day, which is just a fun, unique experience, and it just uh, it's a great recipe. Um, I couldn't be more pleased with the administrations of both schools of, of working this out, and I mean, it's just a huge boon for for them, and it's it's just absolutely essential. It's just what we needed. Um, you know, obviously the. The playoff committee doesn't respect our schedule, and I don't. I, you know, I, I, I don't respect our schedule. Our schedule is weak, but I respect our win-loss record, and that speaks for itself. So, um, we're absolutely ranked too low right now. So we needed this game, um, and we need to get a, a win against a quality team, and you don't know, get us bumped back up into the top ten where we belong. And you take a look at this team, Coastal Carolina. I saw a play earlier in the season. Uh, Kansas, because at that point there wasn't a lot of games that were being broadcast, weren't a lot of games on television. I don't think the Pac-12 and Mountain West, I mean Big Ten had decided they were going to come back, so figured, all right, I better take what I can get. So, you know, they look good. But my thought for you is that you, you play in the NFL, and not everybody from the NFL is from Ohio State and uh, Alabama and the like. And there are NFL guys. I don't know if they're NFL guys. I haven't studied that that good enough here. I just look at their stats. They've got impressive stats. But can you speak to the quality of football that is played off the beaten path? Because we see a number of guys all the time make it to the NFL from these places that aren't considered blue-bud powerhouses. 
Yeah, every every team I was on, um, you know, there's a good portion of the roster with players that come from lower tier schools, and there's a, a handful of players that come from schools you haven't even heard of. And, you know, some of these guys are just scraping by and just barely in the league. Some of these guys are dominant, absolute studs. And they came from, you know, Bo Diddley Tech. Um, and in recruiting is, is not a, a science, you know, it's an art and people miss all the time. People get overlooked all the time. And every school in the country that fields a football team has some dudes on it. You know, the, the difference is Ohio state's got a lot of dudes. Yeah. Alabama is just has a roster full of dudes. Um, but you know, you take a team like coastal Carolina, you take teams from, from the Sun Belt and from the other power five or excuse me, G5 conferences, and they got dudes too. They have guys that will go, they, you know, they put guys in the NFL every year. And um, they're, they're, I think there's as much parity in college football right now as there's ever been. And that makes the game just all around better. And, and that's why the, the bull, the, the college football committee is pulling, it just makes it that much more ridiculous. You look at every other sport and, you know, there's a true playoff, there's a chance, there's a place at the table, an opportunity. If you're legit, if you're good, you just got to win games and things will take care of itself. Nope, not college football. It's not how we operate. I mean, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. It's absolutely a joke. <laughs> Former BYU and NFL linebacker. And let's not forget Brighton Bengal, Brian Keel joining us. As I look at this situation for the Cougars, man, now they're in the spotlight because – I don't know if it's inadvertently or indirectly. They've been getting a lot of run since the poll, the first poll came out. Not this week, but last week. So we're well over uh, over a week coming up on 10, 11 days now. People have been talking about BYU. And this game, it's so funky, you know, because schedules are made 10 years in advance. And we heard that line, and now they're being made two days in advance. So this is the talk of college football that they got this game. So it's exciting. But as a part of that, it puts a lot of pressure on BYU to win. How do you think they handle it? How would you handle pressure in this situation? Because you're going to have a lot of eyes on this game that may not be watching literally the game, but they're going to be following the result of the game. Unprecedented times here in 2020. I mean, it's just, it's just weird. It's just so different. Like you said, 10 years in advance versus two days in advance. I can't even imagine – getting a game scheduled and finding out on Wednesday night or Thursday morning who we're playing on Saturday. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, that being said, you know, be adaptable. And that's, this is the year. Uh, you've got to be adaptable this year. That, not just football, but in everything in life, because life is throwing us some curveballs in 2020. And as, as human beings, we gotta, we gotta be able to adapt. And so in terms of pressure, this is it, man. I mean, this is, this is the biggest game BYU's had at least in 20 years. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe more. I mean, this is, this game is just, it's monumental. This is, this is so huge for us and for our program and for us to get, you know, we, we're, you're exactly right. We are on the national stage and it's been a while since we've been on the national stage. It's nice to be there, but with that, you got to go, got to go put up. So we, we've, um, we've talked a big talk and, um, which I love it, and so now it's time to go show it against the nationally ranked team. That's, they're not a, a perennial powerhouse program, but they're a good football team, 
they have some good wins on their, their schedule and they're undefeated. And so this is, I mean, this is it. This is, this is a huge game. Biggest game, at least in 20 years. I want to read you some stats by the quarterback, Grayson McCall, and tell me what you think this means from a defensive perspective. A couple of things jump out at me. Touchdown passes, 20. Interceptions, only one. Sacked seven times. So that's less than once a game. From a defensive perspective, what do those numbers say to you? That tells me the quarterback's efficient, and the fact that he only has one pick is a huge uh, contributor to their win-loss record. You, you, if you don't turn the ball over, you're, you put yourself in a really, really good position to to win a game. And so the fact that they're undefeated and have low turnovers that really um, goes goes together. And then the low sack numbers that means he's efficient, gets the ball out quick, um, drives don't stall. You know, when you when you get a sack in a drive, it. You know, it really, really throws a wrench in that drive having, you know, any level of success. Um, I mean, if you think about it, you get a sack on first down, now you've got second and 15 instead of second and five. If you, you get a sack on, on second down, now you've got to face third and long. If you get a sack on third down, you're off the field. I mean, sacks are huge. And so, um, you know, the fact he hasn't been sacked much, he's efficient, sounds like he's a really good quarterback. I haven't seen them play, um, but, you know, that's just the, the cursory scouting report. So, Brian Keel joining us, what type of defense do you think you would employ off the top of your head? Yeah, so, I mean, BYU's, um, they've kind of had a mix this year of, of what they've been doing the last several years with the three-man rush and, and dropping an eight, and they've, they've, they still do that this year, but not as much as they've done it in years past. And I like it more when we rush four. I think um, drop eight has its place, but um, I, I think we use it more than we should. Um, so what, <clears throat> what they will use in this game, um, to me, if you have an efficient quarterback like that, I think that is a less uh, of an attractive defense because um, when you have an experienced quarterback, if you give him time, you can't cover forever. And if you, so, you know, you give an experienced quarterback time, he's going to find an open guy and he's going to get the ball to him. And so, you know, to me, when you have a better quarterback, you have to put pressure on him. You have to make him uncomfortable. You have to move him off his spot. And, and so, you know, if I was the defensive coordinator, which I am not, I would, uh, I would mix some pressure in there, more pressure, um, different looks. I would switch it up. You know, I would fake, you know, make it look like we're bringing the house and then, you know, have guys drop out. Um, you know, just mix, mix the looks up. And, and the, the biggest thing you want to do is make the quarterback uncomfortable. Also, too, offensively from the receiving standpoint, they've got five guys averaging at least 14 yards of reception. they got one dude with 41 catches and then a bunch of guys in the teens or 20s. And they're tight end. He's got 17 receptions. But on the 17 receptions, he's averaging 25 yards per reception. And so it looks like they're spreading the ball around. What type of challenge does that present? Yeah, that, I mean, that is, those are chunks, man. Um, that's, those are big numbers. That's impressive. Um, that means they're, mo- they're throwing the ball down the field. Um, and I, what I would wonder, I wonder what, I, like I said, I haven't seen him play. So I wonder what kind of offense, you know, if it's more play action or if it's drop back. If it's play action, you know, you'll see, you'll see numbers like that. It's not as surprising, but to, to get big chunks like that and dropbacks really impressive. 
Um, but what that means is as a defense, you know, you got to be aware of that. And um, in, in terms of, you know, getting off the field and, and, and keeping the points low, you don't, you can't give up the big ones. And that's, you know, BYU has been pretty good at that this year, um, making them deke and dunk and then make them make a mistake. And usually they do and you get off the field. And so um, that's the, the formula is, you know, keep guys in front of you and don't, don't give up the big chunk plays. Did you see Urban Meyer last Saturday on the Fox pregame show really going to bat for BYU? I didn't, I didn't see that one, but I have heard him um, both on TV and on Twitter. And I've seen, you know, he's been, he's been a, a good ambassador. And, you know, it's, he's obviously knows what he's talking about and has as much credibility as anybody in the game. And, and that's where it's just so laughable what the college football committee has done. Um, you know, it's just, it's just, it literally, it's just laughable. When you look at what the AP has, you look at the coaches pool, you look at anybody with eyes to see, and they have a certain idea. And then all of a sudden the, the committee comes out with this ranking that's just not even, I mean, just completely different. And it's just, like I said, it's laughable. So I, I appreciate Urban and, and that helps us out when guys with credibility like him, um, when they stick stick up for us, it, it helps us out. Brian Keel joining us, former BYU NFL linebacker. So put yourself in the shoes of Kalani Sataki. The poll now, you know, you went from 14 and you didn't play uh, this past week, so you really couldn't expect a big bump and you moved up just once. You're basically the same for the two polls that have come out. If you're the coach, football's an emotional game. How much do you bring that up or do you just let it speak on its own? Yeah, so, I mean, every coach is different. You know, like Bronco was not the type to, um, to care what the media thought. You know, he was very, <laughs> very forward about that. Um, and, and, you know, his, his was more of a thing about in-house, you know, keep it in-house and what we care about and what we think about each other. That, that was his, how he operated. Kalani's obviously a very different coach. Um, and I don't know, you know, I'm not in the locker room, so I don't know exactly – you know, how he has treated this attention that they're getting and, and all the, the publicity. So I don't, I don't know, I don't know firsthand, but I do know Kalani and I know his personality and I know he's the type that he does not shy away from things. And that's where, you know, he had some comments about people insinuating that he was scared to play somebody. And he was, you know, he took offense to that and, and rightly so. Cause he's like, Hey, we've been trying to play football this whole season. When everybody else was ready to pack it in, we were on the phone, you know, looking, scrounging, searching, looking for, for games. And, he, you know, we've been committed this whole time and we're ready to play. That's his, his personality and it has spilled over to the team this year. Um, just a mindset of, of we're not afraid and we don't back down. And, you know, you look at that, that ranking and to me that's disrespectful. And that's how, that's how I would look at it as a player and as a coach. And I hope that the, the players – but they, they feel that disrespect because that's exactly what it is. The, the pollsters in the college football p- p- committee do not respect what BYU has done this year. And, the, you know, as a competitor, you know, what I, when, when I get disrespected, I'm going to change that. And so that's the mindset I would have. And I hope the team has that same mindset and just comes out like caged tigers. Uh, or caged cougars. There we go. Okay. On Saturday. <laughs> 
So Saturday afternoon, 3.30 is the game time, ESPNU right now. Uh, are you going to be Christmas shopping at that time, or what are you going to be doing that, at that time? No, I'll be, I will be glued to my TV. <laughs> um, I, you know, I love, I, I've, I've been a fan of BYU since I was five years old. Um, I just, I love watching them play and, and I love the fall. I love, I just, I love football. I love, I love all the things that are going on. And when your team's not playing, it's a boring weekend and there's been some boring weekends. And so it's just, I'm excited just to have a game and I've always looked forward to watching them play. And, and that's a given now, now I'll throw in that it's game day, that they're undefeated. They're playing an undefeated team. I went, when's the last time? BYU played an undefeated team while they were undefeated in the month of December. I mean, you stat people, you answer me that. Like, I don't, I don't know if that ever even happened. I mean, this game is just monumental. It's just, I couldn't be more excited. So you are a Cougar alum, and you're one of the uh, you know more well-known, your local guy, obviously. Uh, how much you interact with other Cougar, former Cougar teammates that feel the same way like you do about this game? Yeah, so we um, – there's like this, this text thread of guys that I played with. There's maybe 10 guys on this text thread. And on any given day, there's upwards of 100 texts that transpire on this text thread. I mean, it just it's like a message board. It just lights up with all these guys and arguments and opinions and debates and everything. And, um, you know, Harvey, Harvey Unga is on the text thread, who's obviously on the staff down there. Um, Big Soto's on the on the text thread, who's on staff at USC. So there's coaches on the text thread. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I mean, we talk every single day, and we've been talking about this. Right? We've been talking, we've talked about everything, and and there's you know, it's just a different, it's a whole variety of of um, of opinions and personalities. And I mean, just in terms of that text thread, everybody is just pumped through the roof, just like me, and just can't wait. Super excited. Cool, Brian. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week, okay? Yep, thank you. Have a good one. That was Brian Keel. And excited for the game. So am I. Absolutely. It's like it's an added bonus, man. I guess this is what a bonus is. It's something that's added. We didn't expect. Didn't know if BYU was going to play. Sure enough, not only are they going to play, they're going to play a team that's nationally ranked and undefeated, just like them. Sure, they're not the biggest name, but... They've got a decent resume, and the Cougars back in action. Anytime a football team can play this year, it's reason enough to celebrate. And then you add the stakes on there as the Cougars try to make their pitch and move into contention, better contention for a New Year's Day Six Bowl. Coming up next, what's trending? Get you caught up on all the stuff that happened last night. Stay with us Friday morning, Friday football Friday morning, as they say. That's what we got going on, DJ and PK.